Well, hey, Chi Alpha, hope you're doing well. Hope you find yourselves well tonight and that everything is going just as you planned it. I hope that as midterm season begins to sneak up on us, that your professors cancel them all or that they're all open book because they might as well be because classes are online, right? And so it just seems fair that everything would be open book at this point. But hey, I am excited to be here. I'm excited as we continue in our reframe series to the, to the book of 1 Corinthians, as Katie's already mentioned. And I think it is, I love the book of 1 Corinthians. I love everything about the book of 1 Corinthians because the church at Corinth did it so poorly. The church at Corinth did everything wrong. Maybe you've been reading ahead as we started the series last week and you begin to be like, yo, man, these guys really did a lot of things wrong. And as we like see that, as, as we see that, we get to see Paul, through the lens of the gospel, take a chance to, to dive deep into theology and teach the church at Corinth the way of Jesus, how to reframe their lives around the gospel, how to reframe their lives around the three anchors, how to reframe their lives as Jesus people. And what we're going to learn tonight is how do we live in community? How do we live in community with unity with one another? Because again, the church at Corinth not doing so hot. When we take a look at our own lives, sometimes we find we're not doing so hot in this area either. So get ready, put on your seatbelts, and let's go Dukes. So, first of all, we're here at James Madison University, right? University. What does the word university mean? University. Unity in diversity, right? So we have unity amongst each other. We have diverse different people that are, that are coming from all different walks of life, from different socioeconomic backgrounds. And then they get here, and what is the first thing we do? We separate them. We try to get everybody away from each other as much as possible. We find our own little portions of the university and we're like, okay, it's supposed to be unity and diversity, but actually it's going to be unity in my own pocket and my pocket's better than your pocket. And as I say this, you're all like, we don't do this. That's not real. What are you talking about, Josh? How many of you guys know that main campus is better than east campus? All of you. How many of you guys know that nobody wants to live in the village, right? And you're like, no, everybody wants to live in the village. Nobody wants to live on East Campus. No, actually, nobody wants to live in Eagle. You're absolutely right. And so, like, but, but actually, right now, it might be okay to live in the village because uh, it has turned to fall, right, as Hunter and Rachel pointed out. And so you don't have to sweat yourself to sleep tonight. Congratulations, those of you living in the village tonight. And so, but, but we find ourselves, like, and, we, and we, we define ourselves by our major. We define ourselves by uh, whether, which part of Nova we're, we're from or, or if our friends who say they're from Nova are actually from Nova. Looking at you, Manassas. And, and, we, and like, it's, like, it's like all these different ways in which we're, like, we're supposed to be bringing unity to one another and, and diversity. And we're like, actually, I'm just going to get with my own. I'm just going to look at myself and ourselves is actually better than yourselves. You know, it's one thing when we do it with our majors, it's one thing when we do it with our friend groups, but it's a whole other thing when we find ourselves doing it in our church. When we find ourselves doing it in our community that is built upon the love of Christ, and we find ourselves thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to because of which small group we're in, because of which fellowship we're in, because of who's our one-on-one. -on -one. And when we, what we see is this was actually, the, these problems aren't new. These are as old as time, right? And that Paul dealt with them directly in the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. You guys are like, wait a minute, we were in chapter 1 last week. You are correct. We are still in chapter 1. And so 
Uh, we could be here for a while, and so good news is you got no choice but tune in because what else are you going to do, right? It's not like the NBA playoffs are on. So uh, we'll start reading in verse 10. If you have your Bibles, uh, I've got a new Bible with me tonight. Uh, Katie and I uh, just got ordained uh, in March, April, who could say? Uh, but they sent us Bibles with our names on them, so they're really nice. And so here it is. So you don't have it, but I do. Mine's better than yours. It was a unity joke. I, maybe you, I can hear you laughing. Thanks. <laughs> So great, we'll start reading in verse 10, and we'll read, uh, who could say, probably through verse 17. Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know it's about to get real? Like Paul's not like, he's, he's, he's gotten through the introduction, the church that is sanctified, the church who is called holy, and he's like, hey, zone in. Pay attention here for a little bit. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you, you can feel the church at Corinth then lean in and be like, yo, Paul's got something to say and we better pay attention here. And Paul says that you agree with one another in what you say and there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Yeah. Exactly, Paul. That's what we want too. You are so right, Paul. That is a good word from Jesus. Let's, let's do this. My brothers and sisters, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. How many of you know it's bad when Chloe had to go on the road and find Paul and be like, Yo, Paul, there are some things going on in the church you started in Corinth, and it is not good, and I need you to write this letter. We need to correct these things. And so, so Paul's like, Yo, Chloe told me that this is what happened. And so this has, we have got to get to the root of this. We have got to get down to this. And so let's see what Chloe has to say. Has informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas, uh, which is Peter. And still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you, well, except for Crispus and Gaius, okay? So that no one of you can say that you were baptized in my name. And I love this little aside in the text here. Paul says, yes, okay, I also baptized the house of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. It's like, it's like you just know that this like took place in like real space and time. And like as Paul is like writing this out, he's like, oh, you know what, we don't have erasers at this point, so it's too hard to go back, so let's just add like the little addendum there. And so he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. There's a lot of things going on here. And so what, what is going on? So I follow, I follow Paul, I follow Paulus, I follow Cephas. I follow Christ. Isn't, isn't that what we're hoping for? Like, it's not that I want to be divided into the, like who I'm following, but that I want to follow Christ. But it's interesting because when Paul writes this letter, it seems like when he says, I follow Christ, that, that you would think it would be the natural outcome of, of like the sanctified heart. But actually, in this example, it's not the exact outcome that Paul is looking for. It's not the exact outcome because here it's just another one of the divisions. And as I've thought about this, I've thought back over countless students that we've had or different times in my own life where, where I have found myself not wanting to uh, submit to the authority that was before me. 
where I have found myself not wanting to do what the church around me was doing. I'd be like, well, you know what? I follow Christ. I, I just do whatever Jesus says, and so I don't need to deal with all of you people. And so and I find myself dividing myself from other people because I'm like, you know what? Actually, I'm the one that knows. And how proud is that? How proud can that be when it's like, you know, you know this is it. I am, I am the end-all, be-all on this issue at this time. And so what we know about the church in Corinth is that they were a church that was trying to figure out how to live in unity, and that as they were trying to figure that out, they found themselves being proud of their heritage, being proud of who had discipled them, being proud of who had baptized them. And of course Paul believes that baptism is a good thing, right? Of course Paul believes that Christ should be preached, right? But what Paul is saying is that we can't be divided on these trivial issues. That these things of lineage, these things that we would think could be the most important thing are actually not the most important thing about us. The most important thing about us is whose we are and that we are members of the church universal. And that we are a part of the body of Christ and that we are all together and that we are all in this together. And what we know from our study of the biblical text, what we know from our time in community, is that when... Two people love Jesus. More about them is the same than is different because God is infinite. And that if we can focus on that, if we can focus on, on, on He that is infinite instead of focusing on our differences, if we can focus on He that is infinite instead of what we think is better, if we can focus on He that is infinite instead of thinking, man, why can't I be in that small group? Like, man, why can't, why, why can't I, why, why, why? And instead of focusing on the whys and the whats, focus on the who. Right. And that as we focus on that, we realize that more is the same than is different. And that we can be, we should be, we want to be unified as Chi Alpha. We want to be unified as the church in Harrisonburg. We want to be unified as the church universal. So I've got... Three points here for why unity is important. So if you're writing uh, notes down, you can take them down right here. The first one is that unity is important because we need each other. You guys know this. You've, you have probably felt this more than many people have ever felt this. You spent the last six months by yourselves, right? You spent the last six months in, in quarantine. You spent the last six months trying to figure out what life is like as you've been, been stuck in your apartments, you've been stuck in your homes, and you haven't been able to go out as much. And you're like, I just want to see people. And I just want people to, to, to travel with. I want, I want to go on journeys together. I want to be with people, and we need each other. And it isn't fascinating. The church at Corinth in our text, like, they're a church that has just gotten started. They're a church that has just gotten off the ground. They're, they're meeting in, a, in living rooms. And, and they must know it as the world is so against them, as the world is pressing in on them, and, and still they are divided and they don't see their need for one another. And that unity is important because we must have one another. We have to have brothers and sisters that will go with us, that will, that will be our armor bearers. We need brothers and sisters in the journey to encourage and equip us so that we may do all that God would ask for us, so that we can go further because we go together. Unity is important because it's the kingdom of God. 
That this is what the kingdom of God looks like. This is what the kingdom of God is building itself toward. It is building itself towards unity. The Revelation church at the end of all things will be a church that will be diverse in, in every tribe, tongue, and language. And the, and the Revelation church will be one that they, she will be so unified because all she's going to focus on is Jesus. That, that we must now, as, as the kingdom comes to earth, as we bring God's rule and reign in our, in our spheres of influence, as we bring God's rule and reign among us, as, as we live kingdom now, that we must be unified, that we must be diversified, and that we must sit around people that don't look like us, that we must interact across racial lines. And how much more is that unity necessary in the America that we live in right now? In America that is torn apart across racial lines. And can the church lead the way? In unity. Can the church lead the way for diversity? For beautiful diversity. To see true kingdom come to earth. And, and to learn who God is by learning more about our brothers and sisters. To know that, to, to feel that, to hope for that, this is why we need to be unified as a church universal and as the universal people of God. Whew. <laughs> and unity is important because the task is too great not to be unified. I don't know if you guys know this, but there are some 22,000 students just at James Madison University. If you think they're all going to fit in the Moran's living room, they are not, okay? If you think they're all going to fit in Festival Conference Room 7, they are not. We must be unified as the church universal, as the church in Harrisonburg, and that we must believe that the task, that the kingdom moves forward as our brothers and sisters move forward. And that's why we pray for Young Life. That's why we pray for InterVarsity. That's why we pray for Crew. That's why we pray for RUF. That's why we believe that, that every other campus ministry, as, as every nation is here, like as they proclaim the good news of Jesus, and as they proclaim this kingdom and this gospel, that we are unified together. And look, I know that some of you out there, your small group leaders, some of you out there, you're, you're joining small groups, and it's like, it can be a super awkward season, right? Those first few weeks of the semester. Everybody's new, everybody's moving in, there's all these outreach events and everybody's like trying to figure out, are we allowed to have a party? Are there 10 of us here? Like, what does this look like? How do we meet each other through a mask? And hey, can you play spike ball with us? Well, no, I'm actually playing spike ball with somebody else right now. And like all these different things are going on and it can be a little bit awkward, but it doesn't have to be divisive. That as we lift our brothers and sisters up, as we pray for them, as we hope for them, as we believe for them, as we know that, that the, the task is too great for us not to be unified, that we need all hands on deck to, to change JMU. We need all hands on deck to change the Shenandoah Valley. We need all hands on deck to see this world change, no matter what the names on your credentials would be, no matter what organization you're with, that we will be unified as a church, as a people, and that this is what we would strive for, this is what we would hope for, and that we would see the kingdom come in power, and that it would come quicker as we lift our brothers and sisters up, as we pray for them, as we believe for them. And so, those are three reasons why uh, unity is important. So I want to talk about two, two things that will help with unity. And the first one is to grow where you are planted. 
Like as you find yourself uh, in a core group, as you find yourself in a fellowship, as you find yourself in a house, as you find yourself at a church, grow where you are planted. Don't be constantly looking over your shoulder thinking, is there something better out there? Is there another option that I could go to? Or, or man, I wish that I wish that I could have like the, the preacher from this church and the, the worship from this church and the announcements from this church and the, and the outreach from this church. No, like if, if we are trying to build composite churches from everything that we've seen on YouTube, if we're trying to build composite churches from, from all the different people that we've met and like, oh, I wish I had this and this and this, it's just not attainable. That we are fallen people. That, that is who we are. That's who I am. That, that's who we are as ministers. And that there will be no perfect church. Because people come to church. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so we must not be constantly looking around and hoping for the next best thing. And can I, can I step on some toes tonight? Of course I can. You're not here to tell me not to. And so what I have found with college students over the last decade in ministry is that oftentimes the best band gets the most college students on Sunday morning. And when that band leader transitions to a new job, to a new city, the college students transition too. I've seen it happen too many times. And, and oh, Jesus, help us to learn how to grow where we are planted instead of constantly looking. That doesn't mean, that, that doesn't mean you, shouldn't, you shouldn't shop. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that once you get somewhere, live there, be there. And I think when you, when you graduate and when you move to the first city you move to, maybe you'll stay in Harrisonburg, maybe you'll move to another city, become a church member. I think church membership statistics are on the decline in America, and I think that that is tragic. And I think it's because people are constantly looking for something else. They don't want to be pinned down. They don't want to be held accountable. They're like, well, maybe we won't like this in a month. Well, you will like it if you like it. Right. You will like it if you choose to like it. And being a member and choosing church membership, choosing to love the church and choosing to make the church who she could be and being unified at that church, I believe will help you in your future. I believe you could start now by choosing a fellowship, be it Chi Alpha, be it one of the other fellowships, I honestly don't care which one you choose as long as you choose one. And that it will serve you better to grow where you were planted instead of trying to grow in a lot of different places. And so grow where you were planted. This is one of the things that will help unity. So it's not like transfer growth, I believe, will be the death of the church. Next, honor one another. You want to talk about ways to be unified? Honor your brothers and sisters uh, when they're around you. Speak highly of your brothers and sisters. Speak highly of your small group. Speak highly of your pastoral staff. Speak highly of your friends. Speak highly of your housemates. But you want to know how to really build unity? Speak highly of them when they're not around. When you're hanging out with your friends and, and one of you is not there, it can be, it can be too easy to then go into roast mode, right? Where you start telling, telling stories, like, remember that time that, that she did this? Or, remember that time that he did that? And you probably don't laugh like that, but I do. Uh, and so like, but, but to find yourself like, oh man, like, like to, to stand up for your brothers and sisters and to honor them when they're not there. I didn't plan on, on sharing this. It's not written in my notes. I actually don't have a whole lot written in my notes right now. Um, but this morning I was at a meeting in, let's say, Warrington, uh, because that's where it was. 
and uh, the assistant superintendent of our network came up to me. We'll call him Mark because uh, that's his name. And, and Mark came up to me. He said, hey, Josh, I just want you to know Hunter loves you. Like, he really loves you. I had an interview with Hunter last week, and Hunter really loves you, and I just thought that you should know that. Now, Mark didn't know this is the passage I was preaching on. Mark didn't know that one of my points is honor one another when they're not around, but, but that is part of who Hunter is. And can I tell you that, like, I, I texted Hunter about that interaction. I thought about it on the way home. Like, it made the whole day better. And, and that as we honor one another, and as we honor one another when they're not around, that we can see it then, it then gets back around. Right. So that when you meet somebody, you're like, hey, oh, wait a minute, I've heard your name before. Oh, you're, you're that guy? Oh, man, Tommy talks about you all the time. Like, like, and to, to see those like, interactions, and to build unity amongst the brothers and sisters, and, and to speak highly of one another. And I can, I can tell you that this is going to be hard for the rest of your life. It's going to be hard when you get married. It's going to be hard when you have housemates right now. Because it, it can be so easy to always focus on the things that you feel like are going wrong. It can be so easy to only focus on the times that you've done the dishes. It can be so easy to focus on all the things that you're like, I wish that they would have done this or I would have done it that way. But to instead learn how to focus on the positive. To be each other's biggest fans. To root for one another and to truly honor one another will bring a unity in the church that, that she would be, as Paul says, that there would be no divisions among you, but that you would be perfectly united in mind and thought. How freeing would it be, church, if when we weren't around, we knew what our brothers and sisters were saying about us, and we knew that it was good. Yeah. That there was no fear. There was no fear of like, oh, I'm not going to be there. What are they going to say about me? There's no fear of... Man, I, I didn't do so well in that midterm. Do I really want to come back and tell my house? Or I, I didn't get into the major that I thought I was going to get into. Like, can I share that with my brothers and sisters? Is that, like, can I cross that line? What's going to happen? But the, if it, like to see unity increase in Chi Alpha, to see unity increase in our small groups, that, that we would truly be able to love one another well by honoring one another when we're there and then by honoring one another when we're not there. And I believe that as we do this, as we take the, the piece of the puzzle that, that we have here in Harrisonburg right now, and that, that we would be unified, that we would lead the way in unity, that, that, we, would, that we would be a part of, of the unity here in Harrisonburg, that we would see it happen across campus ministries, that we would see it happen across the city, I have to believe that it would be contagious. I have to believe that it would be magnetic. And I have to believe that living that way, living freely in community, where it's like we are truly unified and I'm not worried about what's going to happen. I'm just believing that we are together and we're going to fight together. We're going to believe together. We're going to grow together. We're going to be with each other together. And that we would believe that together would be better than alone as we be unified in, in diversity and that I believe the kingdom would come in power in ways that we could have never expected it to come. And that's what we're hoping for. That's what we are praying for here at JMU. So let it start with us. Let it start with us in our individual lives. That we would take a deep look into our own hearts. So we take a deep, deep look into our own interactions. 
and that we would see like maybe there are some places where we found ourselves uh, siloing into different factions. Maybe you wouldn't say that I follow Paul or I follow Apollos, but, but you would find yourself like, like, this is what I hold on to. This is how I define myself. This group of people is how I define myself. And I would encourage you to press yourself outside of that group of people. I think a fantastic exercise for you all to do right now is to grab your cell phones out. Go ahead. Uh, maybe you're watching this on your cell phone. Tough. Don't log out. Um, and so maybe you're going to do this exercise later. And what I want you to do is I want you to look back at your last 10 text messages. I want you to look at the people that you texted last, the last 10. And I want you to see if they all look like you. Do you know what I mean? I want you to see if there is... Anyone that's of a different race than you are. I want you to see if there's anyone that's in a different major, in a different small group, in a, in a, if there's anyone that doesn't even know Jesus in those last ten. This is, not, this is not a rebuke, but it's encouragement for us to just look back over our past day, look back over the past 12 hours, whatever it would be, however... Maybe look back over the last seven minutes. I don't know when you got 10 text messages. Um, and to see, like, who are we engaging with? And how can we see the church be unified in, in something that looks a little bit bigger than ourselves? And then instead of finding ourselves in different corners, shouting why we're better, instead to find ourselves in the middle, rooting for one another and honoring one another. So I'm, I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to give you just a moment just to, just to ponder over, over unity in ways that you have been uh, finding yourself uh, as a unifier. So I want you to encourage yourself right now in ways that you have brought unity uh, to the church and in ways that you have honored uh, those that are around you, ways that you have honored your, your housemates, ways that you've honored your apartment mates, ways that you honored your parents. Um, and now, as we still sit in this moment of prayer, I want you to press into those moments of disunity, those moments of division. Um, maybe it's been frustrations that you've had. Maybe it's been because you haven't been uh, married to the church. You've just been dating her. Um, maybe it's, it's because you haven't, you haven't ever been in a place that has been diverse, and so you don't truly know what diversity could look like, and so it makes you feel a little uncomfortable. Um, and I want you to press into that, and I want to see you take steps closer to unity, steps closer to the church being bonded together, um, so that we may have no divisions, and then instead we may be unified in heart, mind, and thought. So gracious God, we love you. We're so thankful for your presence. We're so thankful for the, the unifying sense of the Spirit. That at the foot of the cross, that we all are equals, that we are all co-heirs with Christ, and that, and God, we cling to that truth tonight. And so, God, we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but instead we honor one another. We lift our brothers and sisters up. God, we pray for the other fellowships that are going to meet um, online over these next uh, few nights here on this campus. God, and we pray that you would be with them. God, we pray that you would increase uh, their capacity. And God, that you would give them every single soul that you would desire to give them. And God, we pray over our own lives that you would help us to grow in unity. God, that instead of focusing on the things that are, 
uh, frustrating to us instead of focusing on the things that have been upsetting to us, but that instead we would focus on you and knowing that as we love you, more about us is the same than is different. And so, God, we pray for diversity and we pray for unity in Chi Alpha as it is in heaven. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. We love you. We look forward to everything you have in store for us tonight, everything you have in store for us this week, and everything you have in store for us this semester. And we pray that COVID would cease in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. So let me pronounce the benediction over you. Uh, so you can stand if you would wish. You can sit. You can kneel. You can do backflips if you're super impressive. I tried to do a backflip at Blue Hole. I was terrified. It took me about 25 minutes. Uh, but you can't do that anymore because Blue Hole is closed. Uh, anyways, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace, shalom, as we are unified as the church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go Dukes.